Spurs concede five goals in 20 minutes, confusing Newcastle. The league's best team ties the league's worst team, Pickford and Johnston, in a keeper battle. Harry Wilson can't kick the ball straight. And Paqueta does the samba all over Bournemouth. Football fans far and wide, welcome to the Football v. Football podcast. This is the EPL Game Week 32 reaction show. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. I know uh, it's been about a week or more since the uh, the last podcast here. Uh, it's been Aid Aid Mubarak to everyone uh, celebrating. Uh, took a little bit of uh, time off uh, after many consecutive days of um, posting YouTube shorts and Instagram reels. By the way, if you're not following on Instagram or Twitter, um, uh, go ahead and follow us on there. And if you're watching on YouTube now, go ahead and subscribe. There's a lot of good stuff. I've started posting some of the the shorts onto um, uh, uh, podcast platforms as well, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. So you're able to listen to some of that. But if you want to see the visual, definitely check out uh, YouTube and Instagram. And yeah, let's go ahead and just dive right into this. A lot of really, really good stuff here. We are approaching now six weeks left in the season. So everything's ramping up. If you play fantasy EPL, it's also ramping up, just like it is in some of my leagues as well. We have a four-way tie for first in one of my leagues. A lot of good stuff. A lot of good stuff going on. Mitrovic is still suspended. That still hasn't uh, uh, ended yet. (laughs) I don't know if he's gonna when he's gonna come back, but um, we're gonna go ahead and start with the the Friday game, which was a real shocker: Arsenal and Southampton. Drew 3-3. to Terrible start by Ramsdale. Error very early in the game. Led to an Alcaraz goal. He just passed it right to him. Alcaraz followed up with the uh, uh, Ronaldo Sue celebration. And, uh, you know, in my opinion, some of these goalies on these great teams, I feel, are a little bit overrated. Ramsdale is one of those guys. Ederson is one of those guys. And I just don't think he's up to the standard of the rest of his teammates, especially this year. They're playing at a high level together. Um, But just kind of carelessly gives up that first goal. I remember he was on a kind of a worse team before this. I forget what team he's on. But now that he's in the spotlight with Arsenal, I think he is... One of the main reasons that they're bottling this lead to City. But we'll get back to the the notes on the game here. In the 14th minute, uh, Theo Walcott put in the the second goal to go up 2-0, Southampton. The worst team against the best. you got to keep that in mind here. This is a, a complete shocker. 14 minutes in, they're down 2-0. And this is an island game. They're playing on Friday. Nobody else is playing. So... It was extremely embarrassing for them. But what happened after this, Zinchenko brought everyone together for a group conversation. And that's something you usually see in college basketball. It's the first time I've seen it in the EPL. Him gather all, it seemed like all 10 of his teammates there to to regroup. And you know what? It seemed like that absolutely helped them because five minutes later, 
Martinelli put in a screamer. And Martinelli has been the best and most consistent offensive player on this side uh, for this campaign for Arsenal. And then Southampton tried to do what Zinchenko did with a little group meeting, but it wasn't as well attended. <laughs> I only saw maybe three or four guys in there. They, they, they started panicking a little bit. You go up 2-0. But then you start conceding, and then you get in your head, okay, well, we're playing Arsenal. We're playing the league's best team. So they did start to panic a little bit. And as you watch this game, you noticed Alcaraz, who I mentioned before here. He put in uh, many shots towards goal. He's the most aggressive attacking player uh, on, on Southampton. I mean, that, that, that used to be a title held by Che Adams, Danny Ings way back when. I thought Sulemana kind of... Had some of that in him, but he is, I think he's more of like a flank player. Uh, he takes some shots, but they're not that accurate. Alcaraz kind of kind of has it. He is, and, and you know, I thought Mara also, also, he showed some flashes, but he's not even getting any playing time. So Alcaraz is, is the man on offense for, for Southampton. And in the 66th minute, uh, Southampton put in their third goal against Arsenal. It was a, a simple header by... Chileta Sa. Comment if you've ever heard of Chileta Sa. That means there will be no comments. <laughs> uh, a guy I've never heard of, and Arsenal was officially in trouble at this point, down 3 1 in the 66th minute. And Southampton must have been on top of the world. But they pulled, you know, Southampton pulled most of their players back. And pseudo parked the bus from the 70th minute onward. But this is where their lack of class showed because, as you'll see, they still allowed two more goals. It's really <clears throat> shambolic that they would give up two goals after doing their version of parking the bus. And so in the 88th minute, their maestro, Arsenal's maestro, Odegaard, Put in a fantastic left-footed shot from outside the box, making it 3-2. to two. And then two minutes later, in the 90th minute, Saka cleaned up a rebound for their third goal, tying the game and just avoiding disaster. Arsenal kept attacking after that. Trossard hit the post. Jesus kept freaking diving in the box like a pathetic loser. I hate the way this guy plays, but they couldn't get the fourth. And one thing I will concede here, halfway through this game, I was ready to write off Arsenal altogether because um, doing this against the worst team in the league is just unacceptable. But them coming back like this, they gained a lot of my respect. I have to say they fought back in a game earlier this year as well when it looked desperately bad. Maybe it was against Bournemouth, I don't recall. It was the one that Reese Nelson scored that game winner. <clears throat> Reese Nelson barely getting any playing time, by the way. Arteta, what are you thinking? And they fought back in a game earlier this year as you know well and you know, while I still think that Manchester City is um a better team and will come back and win the premiership this year. Arsenal is having a special season. And to see some of the fans, the way that they react to them, and they're just they're they're so hype. 
when they were down 3-1 in the 87th minute and they came back and scored two goals like that, there is, there has, there's something to be said about that, I have to say, even though you didn't win the game. I mean, you tied the worst team. Overall, it doesn't look good. But when you're in the game, to come back like this, you have to respect them a little bit. And one last point I'll make about this team here that I've brought up before. Uh, Fabio Vieira had a strong, aggressive game. But again, he was pulled in the 56th minute of this game. He had a sure header goal that was just barely tipped away, followed by a shot on target right before he was subbed out of the game. And this is not even counting what he did in the first half as well. He had an accurate cross. He had key pass. I mean, he's he's a very active player. He is the kind of player you want in there when you when when you want to score goals. He's a guy that is all about putting shots on goal, passing for for, for goals. Arteta does not give him enough playing time. Plain and simple. And he doesn't give him enough time to be able to get into a rhythm to to produce those goals. And I know he can, given his style of play. So, Arteta, if this somehow gets to you, you got to give Fabio Vieira full 90s in the slide-up. I mean, he played 56 minutes. He had two shots toward goal. He had an accurate cross. He had a key pass. These are all indicators of a great player, of a great offensive player. Reese Nelson continues to sit on the bench. He, he barely gets in at the end of games. He has no rhythm at all. He's just, they try to bring him in as a super sub. That's not, I mean, this guy is, you, you, you got to give him a chance to put, I mean, this guy will put five, six, seven shots on goal if you, if you, if you start him in the game. And they're just not doing it. Arteta is not doing it. Uh, this is this is an appeal to, to to Arsenal, Arteta. If you guys want to salvage your chance at winning the Premier League this year ahead of Manchester City, don't blow it. Give Vieira more time. Give Nelson more time. They are some of your best players. So that's what I think they should be doing. Southampton, kudos to you. Kudos to you to tie the 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 best team in the league or the supposed best team. I think they're the second best team. Um, well done, well done. It's it kind of hurts that you that you couldn't get all three when you were up three <laughs> one uh, with uh, in the eighty seventh minute, but um, it could have been a lot worse. So kudos to Southampton, Arsenal. You got to shape up. We'll start talking now about the first game on Saturday: Liverpool defeating Nottingham Forest. 3-2. What a game this was. What a back-and-forth game this was. Van Dyke and Trent very active on offense early on. Very active on offense. And the first goal came in the second half after a scoreless first. And it was a head party. <laughs> Fabinho with that big, bald head of his to, to Jota for the first goal of the game. And then Morgan... Gibbs White had a great start to the second half. Strong shot on target, then an assist to Neko Williams in the 52nd minute to tie up the game 1-1. Crowd went crazy. Love a crazy crowd. 
Then Jota responded immediately with a skillful gather and strike to take the lead. And Jota again in the 65th minute almost got the hat trick with another header, but it was artfully saved by Navas. So at this point, Liverpool is up 2-1. to one. Then in the 68th minute, the man of the match for Nottingham Forest, Morgan Gibbs-White, a great strike, low and away to tie it up, 2-2. Morgan Gibbs-White was on a mission in this one. This guy, throughout the season, I think he's been really good, and he's had ebbs and flows, but as I'm going to mention later, when you put him in the right position, he is an exceptional player. So he tied it up 2-2. Then again, in rapid succession, in the 71st, Mohamed Salah showed tremendous muscle and poise to remain on his feet and fight through contact to score off a set piece. And that's how it ended. Goal-wise, 3-2, Liverpool won. And Forrest put up a tremendous fight here. I really like how the Forrest manager improved the lineup from last week. Perhaps he listened to the podcast because he listened to some of my suggestions. Uh, primarily moving Gibbs White out of the striker spot, the lone striker spot, and putting him right behind it. He did that, and look at this result. I mean, listen, it's not a win, but you put up a great fight against Liverpool. You score two goals, and Gibbs White was the man of the match for Forrest, very clearly. He also started Awoni. Awoniyi. I used to call him Iowini. It's but I. Iwo Niyev. That's that's a hard one to say. But anyway, he's a good striker. He started him up top, and he recognized the aggression of Danilo from last week and put him alongside Gibbs White. And it was really a, a winning formation that caught a great team on a great day, which Liverpool is. Overall, I do have faith in Forrest that they will do enough to stay in the Premier League as for Liverpool, they're hitting their stride uh, late in the season here, but inconsistency inconsistency has been their Achilles heel and uh, will prevent them from uh, European football next year, it seems. I think they're kind of too far off of uh, getting in the top four, the top five here. So that's the, um, that's the story of this game. Of course, uh, Nottingham Forest still in a relegation battle with, I believe, six games left here. So I I think as long as they're not playing some of the top teams, I think they have a good enough team to, to survive here. We will see Liverpool, a forgotten season, but at least giving their fans something here at the end of the season to be hopeful for that they're not going to tank um, as it looked like they were for a while. We will move on now to Leicester defeating Wolves 2-1. Suyuncu, the Turk, back in defense for, for Leicester for the first time in a while, it seems. I don't, maybe somebody can tell me if he's been in the lineup recently. This guy is kind of an enigmatic player. He's, I remember him having red cards and getting, you know, kicked out of some games, but also being a real force on that defense in some other games. But uh, going back to this game here, for the 14th minute, uh, Tielemans had a ball stolen from him. Uh, and then Cunha 
on Wolves. Finished it for a tremendous goal here, putting Wolves up 1-0. And then in the 38th minute, Vardy drew a penalty in a very crafty way, and Iannaccio finished it up with the PK, tying it up 1-1. Jose Sock for Wolves was busy all day with saves and running into Leicester players, flipping them over. If you watch the game of the highlights, you know what I'm talking about. But he finally conceded a second crucial goal to Castagna, the defender, the Leicester defender of all people, to steal this game. And that's how it ended. You know, talk, talking about Wolves here, uh, Neves had a couple chances to tie it at the end of the match with some skillful free kicks and shots. And Neves is a very underrated underrated free kick taker. One of the better ones in the league, to be honest. When I think of some of the better free kick takers, I think of Ward Prowse, Olise, and Neves, to be honest with you. These are some of the, the more underrated uh, free kick takers in, in my mind. Um, but it wasn't enough for Wolves, and Leicester escaped with all three points. An unexpected result. It showed their fight and will to win and stay in the Premiership. Of course, this is a team that won the Premier League in a shocking way. Um, I, I believe, was it a decade ago at this point? Maybe not. Somewhere between five and ten years ago. So, they have a lot to play for. They don't want to get relegated, even though they're in that zone. And a lot of things indicate that they may, if they can get Harvey Barnes back and healthy, I think he's a great player for this team. Madison is kind of, I think he, he maybe he's also injured, but um, he kind of fell off for them as well. Vardy has completely fallen off. Ian Acho and uh, Pat Sandaka are just okay. They're just okay. So a lot of these things are, people on this team are just trending down or they're having some injury um, issues. But, you know, they take all three points in this one. So kudos to Lester. Moving on now to the Palace. Crystal Palace and Everton drawing nil to nil. What an exciting game this was. Um, already at the beginning of the game, a better formation this week for Everton. Not leaving the striker out on an island by himself, Damari Gray, like he was last week or a couple weeks ago. And starting Dominic Car Calvert-Lewin and Damari Gray together. Together, up, stop, uh, up top, two strikers. And while there were no goals, <laughs> all that to say there were no goals, uh, Calvert-Lewin had plenty of ch uh, strong chances in this one. And um, on the Palace side, uh, Olise, I think he's really turning a corner attitude-wise, and it's enhancing his play. He had many great set-piece chances in this match, as always. But now he's playing with more joy, and he's becoming a great overall player. So i got to give more respect to, to Elisa. Maybe he heard some of the critics allowed himself to become happy, and it's kind of reflected in, in his game. About 30 minutes in, Alex Iwobi for Everton had a great shot on goal that just hit the post. And I, I don't know if I mentioned this before, there hasn't been a lot of... Um, opportunity to mention Iwobi or Everton really in any significant way but 
I'm a fan of the way Iwobi plays. I think he plays very aggressively as well and and uh, very skillfully. Uh, but for some reason, it just... Um, I don't know if it, it's where he's playing on the field. I know he doesn't play striker. He does play mid. I don't know if they kind of put him in like a defensive mid formation or... They, it, it just doesn't result in goals a lot of his efforts, but I think I, I like his effort. In the 57th minute, Eze scored on a beautiful chip goal, but it was disallowed by offside. That was the closest we got to a goal in this game. <clears throat> in the 52nd minute, an amazing turn of events. Palace was clear for a goal again, but Pickford came way out of the box, off his off his line, to clear it, to clear the ball, and it went so far. I mean, this was this was a hell of a boot. Not the Canadian. You don't know what you're talking about. I say. I mean, like he smashed that ball. He almost assisted a goal straight to Calvert Lewin, and that Pickford kick may be the strongest kick and longest distance. Uh, that I've ever seen like live in a game, to be honest with you. It was very impressive by Pickford. Something I didn't expect out of him. Maybe that's why he's the starter for the English team. Maybe it's because he can kick a ball really hard. Because his skills are just kind of... There are other English keepers I think they are a little better than him. Maybe the other one in this game. Is Johnston English? I think he could be. In the 80th minute, uh, Holgate... Uh, given a second yellow, um, resulting in a red. Both fouls were on Jordan Ayew. Jordan Ayew, this guy was cooking him all match. Um, had no answers for him. And Jordan Ayew, who had, I believe, the game of his life, either last game or the game before, uh, with a brace, was just in and out of this guy, just making him look foolish. And while Jordan Ayew didn't get a goal in this one, he he had a direct impact on Palace having a chance to win this game in the last 10-15 minutes because of how he baited Holgate. So in the 80th minute, Everton went down to 10 men. Crystal Palace had an advantage. But they couldn't capitalize. And there weren't even many, many chances in those last 10-15 minutes. And listen, Palace is a team over the last few weeks that has, has really impressed. Uh, I believe they, they, they beat uh, Leeds 5-1. to one. And there was another game I think they, they won 2-0 as well. Uh, they've been on a tear. But when you look at the last 10-15 minutes of this game, maybe this is the value of, of Zaha. And... Um, Zaha has been out for a while, and some say this is um, they've been doing better be because he's he's out. But you can't help but think in, in this last period when you have the advantage um, eleven uh, v ten that uh, someone like Zaha, who is the best finisher on this team, um, was sorely missed, very sorely missed. But. This ended uh, a nil-nil draw, um, and to be honest with you, there were no tremendous saves by either keeper. Uh, both played solid. You know, they did kind of normal keeper things. 
Pickford and Johnston. Uh, the latter really, after taking um, uh, Gaeta's job um, with uh, his solid play, I think he's kind of earned that spot. I don't think Gaeta's going to get it back unless there's something crazy that happens and he concedes like a bunch of goals or he makes a, a major mistake next game. But uh, Johnston seems to be the, the man in, in goal for Crystal Palace right now. They, they seem to be doing really well and... Um, He's part of the reason why. Moving now to Brentford and Austin Villa. Drawing 1-1. One one. Yes, another draw. Speaking about this game, a couple nifty shots on target for both teams to start the match from Buendia on, on Austin Villa's side and Embuemo for, uh, from Brentford's side. More on Embuemo later. If you watch the games, you know how critical he was to this game. In the 17th minute, Moreno on Austin Villa saved a sure goal, tipping it away. Um, and the ball was almost surely going to go in. It was an open net. So kudos to Moreno. He's come on. It looks like he's ta he's taken uh, Luca Dean's uh, spot altogether in the in the Austin Villa defense. He he is a, an impressive player. I must I must admit. There are several big chances for Brentford during the middle of this match. Embuemo to Shade to Tony um, for shots on target. Uh, they're a nice striker trio. I like the addition of, of Shade, not the singer. Um, but he missed a chance on goal from an awkward angle. Um, but I have to say, he's, he's learning. He seems young. He has a bright future. Um, but he, he definitely could have uh, put them up early in this game. I like he's kind of quick and twitchy, but I'll give him a mulligan on this one because that was a little bit of a, a, a tough angle. But as you move on, you know, in the Premier League, you, you can't botch those. Sade. Sade. Um, and then finally, in the 65th minute, a brilliant free kick from the keeper, David Raya of Brentford. To find Embuemo, who found Tony to break the deadlock, one to nil, and it went between the legs of the keeper. Uh, another nifty shot. Nifty is the word of this podcast. That's what it was. And then a few minutes later, Tony was feeling it, tried a bicycle kick shot on goal just wide, but it looked good. The Austin Villa midfielders. We're busy all game with shots on goal and great passing. They're a very, very talented bunch. McGinn, Buengia, Douglas Luis, Jacob Ramsey, um, Traore, when they give him playing time. And they finally pushed through and scored in the 88th minute towards the end of the game. Buengia to Douglas Luis to tie it up one-to-one -one at the very end of this game. Bradford was gutted after fighting all game with a clean sheet to, to concede that a uh, Wissa uh, goal, but it was ruled off sides. And as I mentioned before, Embuemo, he really, really stood out in this game. He is so critical to Brentford in many ways. He's a great playmaker. He was all over the field helping things to happen. And like I mentioned before, I think Sade, Embuemo, and Tony are a very skilled striker trio. Um, and if they stick with them, I think Brentford could do really well. I believe Brentford is still in the top half of this league. 
So they do have a bright future. Matthias Jensen as well. Uh, Norgard, when he decides to to play well, I think he, he was taken off at halftime of this game. David Rea. David Rea is one of the, the, the best keepers in, 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 in the Premier League. And he's the best keeper on Spain. Yeah, that's right. He's the best keeper on Spain. So kudos to Brentford. Austin Villa, you know, Watkins, I, I was I was a little surprised. He's been on a, a great uh, goal streak. He didn't do anything in this game. Uh, but they have a tremendous midfielders, as I mentioned. They they kind of carry this team. And uh, Emi Martinez, pretty solid in goal, I would say, World Cup winner. And then, you know, the, the defenders, Alex Moreno, um, Tyrone Mings, hit or miss. But he's kind of an enforcer. So I think the time makes sense here. I think that they're pretty equally matched teams, uh, Brentford and, and Austin Villa, both in the top half here. So they don't have to worry about relegation, but they're probably not going to be playing European football either. Moving on now to Fulham defeating Leeds 2-1. to one. And right off the bat, I'm a fan of Fulham's formation. It's a tight 4-1-4-1 with playmakers in the center. And support all along. Uh, just a shame Mitrovic is uh, still suspended here, as I mentioned at the top of the uh, uh, the pod. Uh, they'd be doing so much better. I know they won this game. I know. Uh, but they, there's been a stretch here where Mitrovic has been out where they just can't find any offense. And uh, I, think, I just think it's a shame because they started off so well and he was so good for them. Uh, a fantastic free kick. Uh, for on the lead side by uh, a Raka to start um, early in this game, a shot on target. Harry Wilson uh, strangely always tries to hit the ball with the outside of his foot, even when it's not necessary. It reminds me of a friend of mine I play football with, but in the 58th minute, he used that technique to shut me up and score. A fantastic pass from Willian. Willian, by the way, was the most dangerous offensive player for Fulham in this game. I don't know where he's been. He's kind of had flashes throughout the year, but maybe he's getting comfortable. Uh, he is a much better player than Carlos Vinicius for sure, so you got to give him more playing time. Uh, for Fulham in this game, um, you know, uh, again in the, the 83rd minute, he had a fantastic free kick, Willian did, that went off the post. So he he showed himself all throughout this game from the first half to the through the second half to the, the rest of the game. In the 64th minute, um, a great free free kick by Pereira off the post, and this brought me to a point about the players that lay down under the wall on free kicks. They really need to cover their head because uh, those are rockets coming at them at full speed, and they're often aiming low because they know that the wall is going to jump. And I notice that they don't cover their heads. So if you get hit like that and they're not even looking, they're they're on the other side. So you got to cover the back of your head. If you're even you're playing youth football whatever, uh, youth soccer, um, if you're if you're going to be laying under a wall, protect your head, please. Uh, in the 73rd minute, uh, Fulham scored their second goal. It was a fantastic cross from Anthony Robinson to Pereira, who kicked it into a somehow open goal. It became open. And then in the 80th minute, Leeds finally 
get on the board. It was a messy, busy scrum inside the box that uh, Banford taps in. That guy seems to have a nose for the goal. He had a, a fantastic little header last, last week as well. He is still not playing full 90s. Uh, Leeds, I don't I don't really know what you're doing. I think, you know, so, Somerville, he takes some strong shots, but he doesn't um, he doesn't convert Aronson the same. Aronson, why are you starting Aronson ahead of uh, uh, Bamford? Find a way to, to just keep Bamford in there. He has a nose for the goal more so than anyone else on this team. And then what happened to the Americans on this team, Weston McKinney and Tyler Adams? I mean, these were supposedly big additions. This was supposed to be America's team. They're doing nothing. They're doing nothing. I mean, this is this. Even Jack Harrison didn't do much in this game. I mean, this was that that, that that's a rare sight for them. Um, Leeds is a little bereft of talent, honestly, uh, especially when you're not playing Banford. Um, they've had some manager tumult. They need to uh, they need to shape up if they want to avoid uh, relegation here. Um, moving on to the game here, Leeds had a. A corner chance to, to, to end the game, but um, nothing came of it, and um, they just fell again. And Fulham takes this one, two to one. On the Fulham side, I will be a little critical of one of their players, um, uh, Bobby D. Cordova Reed, has really fallen off as this season has progressed. He lacks in finishing, he's a little clumsy. He was given some good balls um, throughout this game, especially early. He couldn't, couldn't do anything with them. So, uh, Willian and Harry Wilson were, were the stars of this game, along with Anthony Robinson and Kenny Tete as well, uh, and Pereira, I have to say. He is, he is a very solid player. And Fulham take this one. Good on Fulham. They're, they're finding ways to continue to, to, to win and, and, and stay in the top 10, even without Mitrovic. Uh, so, so, good on them. That's, um, that's a uh, positive um, check mark for their for their manager, so good on them. Now we will move on to the Sunday games here. An absolute thrashing. Newcastle defeating Spurs six to one. This looks more like a baseball score. Slippery conditions in this one, and Newcastle took full advantage of Spurs defenders sliding, sliding in more ways than one. Whew. Newcastle absolute barrage of goals to start this game. The first one in the second moment, minute from Jacob Murray, uh, Jacob Murphy with a cleanup goal off a of deflection, and then three minutes later, Joe Wellington evades defenders to net the second goal. And this is when the crowd started to go crazy. They were going crazy in the first five minutes, up two nil on Tottenham. Oh boy, what's coming? Then three minutes after that, a poor giveaway by the Spurs defense. Ed Murphy, again, hits a screamer from distance. And no resistance from Lloris. No resistance at all. And Spurs were stunned. Eight minutes into the game, down 3-0. But it didn't stop there. In the 19th minute, a gorgeous outside foot pass from Willick to Isak who clinically finished making it 4 to nil on Spurs 4 to nil then I'm not joking 2 minutes later Isak scored yet another goal 
two goals in two minutes for the Swede, and his celebration was classic. Looking around, confused, like, is this really happening? Are we up 5-0 on Spurs 20 minutes into the game? Everyone was shocked, including the guy that just scored both of those goals. Oh, boy. Newcastle were just quick, decisive, deadly, and Spurs were the exact opposite. Slow, indecisive, dispassionate. Lloris was removed at half at halftime. Uh, Forrester replaced him, and they said it was because of an injury to Lloris, but maybe that was just them being nice and trying to save face, save some of the embarrassment for Lloris, who is a historically great, I'll give him great, he's a historically great goalie. So to give up five goals like that in 20 minutes, uh, it's a little bit embarrassing. You didn't want to see it get to 10 on Lloris. You don't want to see him in the record books for the wrong thing. To start the second half, uh, Harry Kane for Tottenham scored to to save them from embarrassment. Um, he was the only player that even threatened a goal for Spurs in the entire first half. He had a nice shot that kind of went uh, off to the side. He was the only offense for this team. And in the 68th minute, Callum Wilson was subbed in and put in yet another goal to make it 6-1. to one. It was a nice shot to fake out the keeper here. Um, I, I, also for, for Newcastle, Anthony Gordon showed signs of his old self very briefly in the 79th minute, but couldn't capitalize um, but it's good to see him in the rotation. When you look at this team, you know that they're going to look very different next year with uh, the Saudi money coming in. But 6-1, 6-1. I mean, you look at this team, to be honest with you, they look just like an average EPL team skill-wise. So when they are able to sign some of the, the, the bigger players and elevate some of those average players into to, to great players, I think they're going to be well on their way to fighting Manchester City and Arsenal and some of these top teams. Well, Manchester City, I'll say, primarily, as um, a perennial winner in the in the Premier League. But uh, good on them. I mean, as you can see, the background of this screen, if you're watching on YouTube, is the Newcastle crowd here. I think they have a lot to be excited about. As I'm looking at this stadium... I think this stadium will definitely be, be made a lot bigger <laughs> when the Saudi money is in, injected into it. So I don't know. Maybe maybe that'll change things. Maybe maybe the fans like this smaller, more intimate stadium. But uh, either way, I think they have uh, a lot to look forward to in, in terms of uh, gaining more stars. I think a lot more stars are going to be signed to this team. And, you know, going back to this game, the rest of it, of course, was academic uh, in the second half. The result was already decided. The result was decided in the first 20 minutes. I mean, even when Harry, Harry Kane scored that goal to make it 5-1, there was, there was no celebration. It was taking the ball, putting it in the center line. Let's just we'll keep playing, but really let's, let's get this over with. So well done to Newcastle. Tottenham, this was an embarrassing night for you and your fans here. Um, but... I think they have enough talent that they will rebound from this. Final game of the week here. 
Uh, West Ham defeated uh, Bournemouth 3-0. Uh, five minutes in, West Ham gets started strong. Um, a header off of a cross uh, prompting Antonio Chance from the crowd after the score went 1-0 uh, here. Uh, Mikel Antonio started off the scoring for them. Antonio. Uh, then six minutes later, Yet another cross and header by Paqueta uh, for the second goal, uh, prompting a cool little Brazilian dance uh, celebration. And I'm going to take this moment to say that I misjudged Paqueta. I had a low opinion of him early in the season. I thought he didn't offer much, uh, but he's been proving me wrong over the last month or so. He plays aggressive um, he plays through contact which is pretty rare for a Brazilian player to be honest with you and he's a selfless and skilled passer so I didn't see that early I didn't maybe he was just gelling in when he just joined West Ham I was like why is this guy in the game and even in the World Cup I said why is Brazil even giving this guy minutes but I see it now I finally see it now maybe it took me I had I needed to add somebody to my fantasy EPL team and um, Paqueta was like just the best choice in a, in a week where there wasn't a lot of teams playing. So I added him to my team and I've been watching him closely for the past month. And uh, now I'm seeing, now I'm seeing the hype. So kudos to Paqueta. I think, I think you've been playing really well. Bournemouth finally came alive about 20 minutes in, putting in uh, shots on goal, primarily Solanke. And I must admit, he is not a clinical finisher, as I've said before. Uh, even though he had a nifty little half-bicycle kick attempt late that hit the post. I think I'll call it a tricycle kick or a bike with training wheels kick. He uh, He's a guy that relies on, on, on volume, um, putting in many shots and hoping one just gets by the keeper. That's kind of his game. I like his aggressive style. He's just he's just not clinical. He's just not a clinical finisher. But for the purposes of, you know, like I'm gonna keep mentioning it, fantasy, it's great because he puts a lot of shots on target. And then the third goal for West Ham came again off a cross. Declan Rice cleaned up a deflection to make it three to nil. And uh, then Tavernier finally came alive to start the second half. He always seems to take strong shots on goal that are just blocked. Um, and I'm sure they hit the hurt the defenders in the process. But he has been getting a little unlucky with just where the defenders' feet have been because he's been taking a lot of strong shots. I still think he's a tremendous player. And he played a full 90 in this game. Uh, that's the first time I've seen that in a while. So I think that bodes well for them. Um, the fourth goal for West Ham, an absolute beauty. Of course, Bowen, Jared Bowen, involved as always, with a cross. And then Fornells did a move that I can't really describe, but announcers called it a scorpion kick. Um, I'm not sure if that's the same thing as that Colombian keeper introduced uh, when he saved that goal that one time, but it looked kind of similar. Not as clean, but similar. Um, he kind of mishit it a little bit. So don't watch it in slow motion if you're going to go back and watch this. But watch it in real time or maybe a little bit sped up and it will look really cool. Um, I'll go back to Bournemouth here. A strange de uh, development lately. 
um, is that they haven't been starting uh, Dango Watara. But when he comes on, he immediately contributes. And he should really be starting instead of Ryan Christie, who I for a long time thought was actually a defender. But now he's starting as an attacking mid. Um, Christie did absolutely nothing this game. Dango Watara came in and contributed immediately, as he's done uh, the past couple games, two or three games that, that he's been benched. So Bournemouth... Please go ahead and put uh, Dango Watara back in the starting lineup. Now you have your full complement. You have Solanke, Tavernier, Billing, and Watara. That that is a formidable, formidable attack. So just just get him back in there. Sub him for Christie. If I'm Bournemouth, that's what I'm doing. I like watching him play. Um, and overall, I think Bournemouth's offense, like I mentioned, has a lot of potential. And they have some great players that play um, offense in a fun and aggressive way. But their defense, their defense has been their downfall all season. And those offensive players do not defend well at all. I mean, that is another thing that I noticed for the first time in this game. Um, Tavernier giving up balls. Uh, the first goal was due to Solanke not covering Mikel Antonio on and on and on. Uh, you know, Watara's not even in the game to see it. Uh, uh, Philip Billing, I don't see very much from him. Maybe he's one of the better ones, but overall, he's not he's not a great defender. So that is the issue with this team. I do not want to see them get relegated. Um, I think they have a tremendous amount of talent, and they're a lot, a lot of fun to watch on offense. Um, but as for West Ham, this is a team that has always had the talent, uh, and... I think this is not their first 4-0 win this this year. Um, this is a team that will not get relegated, even though they were in the relegation zone for a while. West Ham is a good team. Uh, they will stay in the Premier League. Um, and like I said, Bournemouth, you got to find a way. you got to find a way um, to shore up that defense and uh, just position yourself on offense with your best players. Put your best foot forward. So, ladies and gentlemen, that'll do it. For this Game Week 32 recap show, I want to thank you guys so much again, as I do at the beginning and the end. I want to remind you, if you're watching on YouTube, please go ahead and subscribe. We'd really, really appreciate it. It helps us out a lot. Um, and then like, comment, share as well. Engage. It's a lot of fun to do it uh, when you uh, you know leave comments and, and stuff like that. So makes it more fun for everyone. And uh, if you're on Instagram, uh, follow us on there as well, football underscore V underscore football. If you're on Twitter, Fball V Fball. Um, and uh, if you're listening on, on Spotify, uh, podcast platform, or any of the other ones, Apple, Stitcher, uh, go ahead and, and uh, become a follower on, on that as well. And uh, give us a rating. Let us know what you think. Um, would appreciate that as well. There's a lot of listeners from from many countries. I mean, every every week I check, uh, there's another country added uh, to uh, to the list here. I think this week, uh, for the first time, I saw listeners in Colombia, the Netherlands, um, Italy, Palestine. Um, I think primarily the listeners I know are in the U.S., um, uh, the U.K., uh, Ireland, France, and then Saudi. Uh, that's maybe probably Naif and, and and his bunch there in Bahrain as well. Uh, but there, there, there's so many countries, Japan, Hong Kong, I, there's a lot, Italy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, drop in the comments where you're listening from. I think that'd be, that'd be cool um, just to see where folks are listening from. Um, 
As for what's coming up, for uh, American football, the NFL Draft is coming up on Thursday, and we are trying to set something up for that as well. So just be on the lookout for that. Nothing is, is, is in stone yet, but we're trying to set something up. We will see. But that'll do it. That'll do it for this podcast. Like I said, I want to thank you guys again. Hope you guys have been enjoying these podcasts and enjoying these uh, weeks of uh, EPL, exciting times, good football. And we'll bring it to a close here. So thank you guys so much again, and have a fantastic day, football fans.